Hey, thanks so much for pressing that button and tuning into the V1 Church podcast. This is Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor, and we have a very important message on trust today. As we continue this series of talks called Ghosted, I believe that God has an answer to the question, will I ever be happy in a relationship? Will I ever trust again? So without further ado, check this out, and I have a very important message for you on the other side. The other day I had this thought, why guess what people are struggling with in relationship? Why not just go to Google and statistically see like what the whole United States is actually asking Google? Because how many of you will go to Google before you go to your doctor? Now, Google always says, you gonna die. (laughs) Am I right? You look up your symptoms, you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna die. But it's weird because we trust Google. We go to Google. We type weird things into Google. If I could see your Google search, you, we not, might not be friends after I could read it. Um, weird stuff, right? So I ran the algorithms to see what were the top 10 most asked questions about relationships and then said, what if instead of Google gave the answer, what if God gave the answer? So we're going to do this from 10 down to 1 in an economical time because you guys only have till midnight. So uh, 10, (laughs) real real Christians say, come on. Um, What does a healthy relationship look like is number 10. And also for those of you who are in morning service, we got some bonus content that we, so it'll be a little something. We do because my notes died. So hey. Oh, snap. I got them right here. I got them right here. Oh, good. I I don't have my glasses, but that's all right. Okay. Well, (laughs) when we say spirit led, it's because we're little. It's really spirit led. (laughs) What does a healthy relationship look like? What do you think it looks like? Well, here's here's the good news. I, I I feel like it looks a lot like this church, like sacrificial giving. Like we are just sacrificially giving as much as we can to the other person. So a healthy relationship, I mean, we've had, we have a healthy relationship now. We did not always have a healthy relationship. So sometimes if you don't know what one looks like, you for sure know what one doesn't look like and sometimes it's really good to be aware like okay maybe if you're single or maybe you're married or divorced or whatever and you know for sure if you're not sure what a healthy marriage is here's what it isn't it isn't control it isn't manipulation it isn't selfish and um and so i think it's just really sacrificially giving of yourself of your time just giving everything everything Yeah. And you know, I will say this, a healthy relationship is not a perfect relationship. I think that needs to be said because if you've never had a healthy relationship, you may have this idea about this perfect thing that could exist, but a healthy relationship is not a perfect relationship. There's no such thing in a a relationship of a perfect love life, a perfect communication. You have to define what perfect is for you. Mark chapter 10 verse nine says, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when he said that, he even means don't let you separate you from your your healthy relationship, your marriage. So we've had to go on a journey of not just finding the right person, but becoming the right person for each other. So our definition of soulmate is becoming the right person for someone else. Because it's real easy to think that somewhere out there, somewhere, no, I'm um, that there is. sounded nice. Did it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, (laughs) You guys need to loosen up. It's night service. Let's laugh a little. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I used to think that there, that, you know, okay, there's 7 billion people on the planet. So there's got to be a soulmate for me out there. And then I married Julie thinking she was my soulmate. But then we had those moments where I was like, maybe she's not, Yeah. (laughs) you know, and then we had to go on a journey to become healthy for each other, to become, you know, the best fit for each other. Yeah. Yeah, and that was work. I mean, that is work. Becoming the right one is work. And I'm just going to give you a little life hack here. Um, I very quickly, real. I used to pray like, Lord, change Mike. He's such a jerk, you know? Or, Lord, I mean, we know change- she's lying. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I would pray and I would cry and I'd be like, Lord, if you just change him, God. And then one day the Holy Spirit was like, shut up. It sounds just like the Holy Spirit. It does, doesn't it? I feel like the Holy Spirit has to speak to me like that because I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. And uh, he was like, stop. And I had to realize the most powerful prayer that I could change inside of my relationship was, Lord, change me. Me. 
I can't control what the other person does. And that still to this day is my prayer is like the first thing I do is look in the mirror and say, Lord, change me. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm not like, well, if you'd pick up your socks or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, it's like, I have to look in the mirror and I have to say, Lord, change my heart. Yeah. Because this is sacrificial giving here. This is not always fun. It's not always roses, but it is worth it. Yeah, I'm going to take that snippet from the podcast and play it back for her at certain key yeah. points yeah, uh, when she needs it. But it's no, it's true. <laughs> That's for married couples, though. If you're dating, and we have to tell people this all the time, if you're dating somebody, just because you have a past with them doesn't mean you have a future with them. I just needed to give you permission to break up with them <laughs> if you need yeah. to. Yeah. So let's go to number nine. <laughs> Number nine is, how do you know that your relationship is over? It's a great segue. So (laughs) how do you know that your relationship is over? Here's the thing. Most of the counseling that I do with people is me just confirming what their conscience has already told them. And people violate their own conscience so much. I'm like, I asked somebody, they're like, is is my relationship over? I'm like, what did your conscience tell you that you were talking yourself out of? Yeah, it told me it was over. Okay, go with that, you know? So a lot of times we just, we know when the relationship is over. You know, in marriages, it's a little different because, you know, there's a covenant there and a covenant is deeper than a promise and deeper than a contract, right? We've been talking about covenant. And when you have a covenant relationship of marriage, we will do anything and everything to help you save your marriage. And we have seen some stories like complete turnaround. Matter of fact, we just got back from the marriage conference. And we had some breakthrough moments and people got freedom. So how do you know when your relationship is over? I mean, I think we all intuitively, like Pastor Mike said, like we know when it's over. It's except, how do you, how can you accept when your relationship is over? And that's not an easy thing. I mean, it's hard when you end a relationship. There's real grief. There's real sadness. There's real fears. There's, that's real. And, and even though that person may have been bad for you, that doesn't mean that ending the relationship is easy, even if it's the right thing. And I think you have to, it, Here's the thing, when you're in, when you're trying to get out of a relationship, that grief, that, you know, when that's over, you feel like you're in an ocean, but from the outside, everybody's looking and they're like, you're in a puddle. You are gonna survive, like you are gonna make it. And that can be really hard to digest sometimes, you know? And so I just wanna tell you, if you're in a relationship that's over, you're in a puddle. You will not remember their phone number, especially now in this day and age. You will not remember their phone number because we text each other. You won't remember their phone number. I couldn't tell you. Can you remember any of the phone numbers of your exes? Like, no. Yeah, you move on. Oh, my gosh. No, <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure y'all are awake out there. Somebody in the back said it was a 1-900 number. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, that ain't right. What you said ain't right. This is a church. (laughs) We used to have a phrase, though, it's a tempest in a teacup. You know, it's like it's the most horrific, raging storm of your life in a teacup. And that's what a lot of, you know, a lot of people come to us with emergencies. We're like, we're not, it's not an emergency what you're dealing with. It's just you're getting over a relationship. So how do you get out of a toxic relationship? I would say this. The best way to get out of a toxic relationship is to get yourself healthy. Like you have, there has to be a level of toxicity in you to stay in a toxic relationship. You have to be toxic to even allow yourself to get into a toxic relationship. You know what I'm saying? And what we have discovered, okay, I'm just going to say this. We, we have pastored so many people who were single and I said, what do you think about so-and-so? And they said, I'm not attracted to them. And then, and then I tell them, when you get healed, you will be. And then they get, go through healing, and then all of a sudden they say, hmm. <laughs> and we have done so many weddings of people who were not attracted to them because they were, t- they were wounded, and their woundedness, w- it was like, yeah. I mean, have you, let me put it like this. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever gotten out of a relationship and then looked back in time and said, what the heck was I thinking? Have you heard that moment? And I'm not talking about their physical appearance because that sometimes is also what was I thinking. Um, but I just mean like emotionally, mentally, spiritually, what was I thinking? 
And you know what you were thinking at the time? You were dating to the level of your self-esteem. <laughs> and as That's your son, yeah. Because all this, yeah. Yeah. We know, boo. Oh, yeah, I mean, we had, there's dating relationships, right? Toxic. And by the way, if you keep attracting the same, I'm talking to the ladies, you know, girls, you my girls. Um, if you keep attracting the same kind of toxicity, it's you. Right. Come on. I heard a pastor say, if you got a lot of issues, is you. <laughs> Lord, change me, right? I am so glad you said it. Because we see that all the time. It's like people will go from church to church to church to church. And after your 17th church, you have to say, maybe the issue is you. God, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's nobody clap for that one. Uh, you get what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, Somebody's even in our 17th right. church today. That's why. <laughs> But, you know, but I think from like sometimes you go from relationship to relationship and you could keep saying, well, there's just no good guys out there. There's no good women out there and not. And, and like you said, attracting the wrong type of person. And I mean, we were in a toxic marriage. You can be married, be in a toxic relationship. And we are proof that you can overcome that. It doesn't always yeah. have to be a wreck. We were in a cycle where we would fight every day, every weekend. We would work Monday through Friday, fight every night. Maybe, maybe we would, you know, get along by Sunday, but every Saturday we fought all day. Am I lying? We would fight yeah. the entire day and it was a cycle. And so we were in a measure of toxicity in our relationship and there were tons of toxic things that were happening. But the moral of the story is I don't want to like leave it, you know, dire. There is hope for you. There is hope. We are proof that with counseling, with reading the word, with the with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, with godly couples, we were in, you know, uh, groups that helped us get through our marriage. It was like, it is possible. You can change. It doesn't always have to be toxic, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, and I don't know who this is for, but you need to stop dating projects. Like, your life is hard enough. You just gave yourself another full-time job. Like, you're already telling everyone, I don't have enough time, and then you date a project. And the Lord's like, you got a hobby, and then now you need a project on top of your hobby? Like, so stop dating projects. While we're on a level of toxicity, <laughs> like, that's another thing. Um... If you are not, this isn't this for is my married mean. folk. This, this is, is really for my mean. dating, my dating people, my single people. Good, I like you, Pastor Kelly. Amen. Not attending church is a sign of toxicity. I I'm just gotta keep it real because I've seen too many women who it's cute. Oh, you know they're home going. Okay, whatever. While you're dating, after the wedding, going to church alone. That stinks. That's lonely. I've been that girl. It's not fun. And I just want to tell you that, like what Pastor Mike said about a project, sometimes we take on a spiritual project. Maybe they don't have a level of mm -hmm. alcoholism. Maybe they are a good person. Not everybody who doesn't go to church is vile and horrible and toxic. That's not what we're saying. But I just want to open up the door. Like if no one's ever told you that, I just want to encourage you, like find a man who will go to church. That is a man who will be consistent, who will listen to God and who will trust God in seasons where Maybe you can't trust each other and you only have God to depend on. Yeah, I agree with that. If, if he'll build the local church, he'll build a home with you. If he'll help pastor and shepherd here, he'll help pastor and shepherd there. If he's generous here, he'll be generous there. It's like you act like you're going to separate. If he's generous with you, but now at the local church, it's like sometimes men will spend their... I won't even say it. And if he don't go to church I'll before up, the wedding, he ain't going to the we church got after guys, the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it's all about the motive. We got guys have no problem peeling off all kinds of dollar bills at the strip club, but then they're offended when the church asks for money because their motive is connected to that dollar bill. And they're saying, if I get something when I give, I'll give. But when I don't get something when I give, I won't give. And then you're trying to marry somebody who's going to always expect to get something from you instead of serve you. We have to keep getting this microphone repaired because I keep 
dropping it every week. But I'm trying to tell you, this is the truth. If his money is always connected to what do I get, what do you think he's going to do with you? So there's something healthy about giving to the local church, building the local church, because he's proving to you he's generous and he's selfless. And that's the kind of man that you're going to want. Number seven. <laughs> now, you ain't getting these results from Google because the devil runs Google. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't want to be that preacher, but how to get over a relationship. Let's speed through some of these. I think I could do yeah. this one in one sentence. The best way to get over a relationship is to get a clear vision for your future and move in that direction. Yeah. Scripture actually says, Paul says, I forget. Remember that, that sermon? I forget, and then I fasten my heart to the future. And, yeah. and when I forget, I turn my attention towards the, the future, and that becomes a source of hope. So number six is this. This is crazy to us because... The number six, the most uh, asked question in Google was what is an open relationship? So there's enough of that going on in our society for people to Google what is an open relationship. And uh, do you want to tackle this one? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that blew my mind. Like, I expected that question to be maybe on the top 20 or top 100 questions asked, but for it to be in the top 10 of Googled questions, um, Here's here's what I what I realized about that question is so many times as Christians as believers right we all showed up to church tonight there's a part of you that might say like oh an open relationship like I'm a Christian we don't do that okay however if you're in a relationship but your eye begins to wander or you have inappropriate secret texting relationships or maybe you have texting conversations but they're not sexual yet but they're hidden, or you would be embarrassed if somebody read them, I just want to encourage you, you are in an open relationship. Yeah, we're, we're going to redefine fidelity. Here's why. You may have a wife at home, but then you may have work wives. You may have a husband at home, but then husbands in the workplace. And what we do is we say, oh, here's how we're redefining open relationship. Any other relationship that you get your needs for intimacy met other than your spouse. That's an open relationship. That's in a marriage. And we know people who are like, yeah, you know, I don't really feel the sparks of my wife. So I just flirt with all the girls at work. And that's an open relationship. And I want to say this to the, to the people who are in the dating scene. I think I will say this. I get the idea of playing the field. I get the idea of stacking the odds in your favor, okay? Some, some people are just like, we're just going to be smart. I'm not going to buy one lotto ticket. I'm going to buy 17 of them, right? <laughs> so sometimes in the dating scene, you're like, I know how I'm going to get a winner. I'm just going to have a lot of tickets. And I'm not hating on that, but I do think that there comes a point where you can become consumeristic in your dating, and now you're going into the mall of life, and you get into this place where, and I think social media is contributing to it, where you can devalue a person's existence because they don't meet every single thing on your list. And they're getting, you know, it's seriously, and, and we're shopping. And we're like, oh, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this, I don't like that. And we can devalue, and sometimes even miss the good thing that God has already brought to us because we're, we're window shopping. So, you know, open relationships, a mentality, I think, more than it is a reality. So it's like, you could say, well, I got three girlfriends and we've all, we're polyamorous, we've all decided on this, which we would advise against that, and the Bible would too. Um, but I think that many more of us have open by that definition. Yeah. Let's keep moving. Number five, we're more than halfway there. It says, how do you save your relationship? Well, we've kind of touched on this, but let me read yeah. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. So the way to save a relationship, well, in every movie that you've ever watched, the main character at one point will, ha will be asked to sacrifice his life to save someone or the world. Am I right? Yeah. Even, all of you thought of different movies. It's all the same plot, right? <laughs> and when you think about it, and I won't go through the list of movies, but there's always this character that's required a great sacrifice. 
And what happens is we bond to that character because there's something inside of all of us that wants to be asked to do something that noble at one part or another. Like we want to be the person that gets asked to take the ring to Mordor. We want to be the, that has to face Vader. We want to be the, right? We want to be the ice queen like me who, um, no, I'm just kidding. You know, like the, the, the frozen moment, you know, where it's like, I'm going to face this fairy tale land where, you know, it's like, like I'm going to sacrifice everything so everyone else can live. And so the way that you save a relationship is you say, Julie, here's how I'm going to save our marriage. Mike Signorelli, everything I ever knew about my life, I'm laying it down. It dies today in service of you and our kids. Like I don't exist. My band is broke up. My dreams to travel and do itinerant ministry, all that is dead. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve our house and serve the Lord. I don't have an agenda other than sacrifice right now. That'll save a relationship. And if you were asking yourself, like, why did your parents uh, marriage and a divorce? Oftentimes one person is so willing and the other person's unwilling because Julie reciprocated that and said, okay, let's, let's, I will also die to self. I'll stop yelling about you leaving socks. I'm telling you guys, my clothes, it looks like the rapture happened when I get home. They're, they're, you know, I'm hard to live with, you know, I'm really good at hard things, really bad at easy things. You know, like, like I can launch churches. I don't want to do the dishes. Praise God. You know, like I'm, and so we got paper plates. (laughs) Yeah, literally. So, you know, we had to learn, we had to mutually sacrifice. That's how we saved our relationship. And that's how you'll save your marriage is choosing to lose. Choose to lose. And I mean, that's very countercultural, right? Because the world right now is all about like, you know, women's empowerment and, and, and changing the paradigm of the way we view men and, you know, you're, but here's the thing, like the way you save your, this is countercultural because the Bible flips, flips culture upside down. So the way to lead is to serve. The way to get is to give. And so in marriage, you're going to want to fight for yourself, you're going to want to fight for, I remember like trying to fight for my identity and fight for who I was. And, you know, I don't want to be defined as this or that. And once I realized like, you know what, that doesn't matter because I committed to serve. And so we both, we both did that, but not at the same time. We've come all the way in different seasons, right? Just being honest. And Um, There was a time where I had to fully commit to serving when I wanted to lead. I had to fully commit to surrendering when I wanted to be selfish. And that's a tough thing. And, and, And it's not easy, but the Holy Spirit will help you and he will lead you and he will guide you. That's right. The Bible says when you lose your life, that's when you find it. So it's like I gave everything up sacrificially and then God was laughing and said, I was never gonna kill Isaac anyways. Isn't that how Jesus, that's, that's the story. So that's the biblical narrative is you, but you don't know it's a fake out until you actually take Isaac, actually put him up on the altar and actually have the knife like three inches from his chest, yeah. you know? And it's like, God will take you to that place to test you. And for me, it's funny because I sacrificed everything to save my relationship and then God resurrected that and so much more. Yeah. And I believe he's going to do that yeah. for you. So we yeah. fight it. Yeah. Come on. You're clapping for you. I believe God's going to do that for you. Here's my favorite one. Now, this one was like kind of we tweaked this question a little bit because it didn't it wasn't like as easy. Um, it, it, yeah, it was basically should I date someone with different values? That was the way it was worded when people Googled it. Um, we, we asked the question, should I date? Because we get this all the time. Should I date a non-Christian? No. <laughs> I'm looking at all the single people. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> no. But it's hard to find a good person. And they, they make a lot of money. They, they pay their bills. They're kind-hearted. Um, I, for real, that's just old school. The way you're talking, man, you sound religious. You know, <laughs> I probably do. But here's a, I, I said this this morning. But I love them. I know. But I know. <laughs> But we've crossed boundaries physically. Now we're connected uh, hormonally and chemically. Yeah. It's called a soul tie. Don't do it. (laughs) You know, but you don't understand. I've had so much sex. It would feel like a divorce if I broke up with them. Yeah. (laughs) 
This is how this is real. This is, this is really this real. This is real. It's real. So it's you're real. saying don't date a non-Christian, but I've slept with them a whole bunch. Yeah. And uh, we share bank accounts now, even though we have. And we. Um, <laughs> they you got guys really... think I'm joking. But but we got it. But here's the thing. I would break up with them, Pastor. This is what I hear. So I'm just saying yeah. it because I finally got a chance. Um, you're saying don't date a non-Christian, but we have a lease together and we live together and New York's expensive. So you're actually asking me to break my lease, stop having sex with a person that I love having sex with. Um, you're changing all of my finances because we share finances. And, um, and so I don't know if I care that they're a Christian. It's, so now what? Well... <laughs> It's loaded. <laughs> told, told no, this is really what we. This, this is, is what, what we, we get, with. and that's real. That's a real thing. I mean, when you're talking about somebody who's in a six-month lease and they have another 24 months before, I mean, this is this is the real deal where they're at. And you know what I say? Is it worth your soul? Yeah. Is it worth your soul? It's a mis- it's a mismatched value. We we care so- we we ask so many questions about finances and credit scores and all these things about values and somehow our faith is this trivial thing that we just cast aside. Let me tell you your faith may not be vital to you now, but after you have kids, it's vital. After you go through an illness, and you're wanting so badly to find faith in God, it's vital. And when you have somebody who won't depend on God, who won't depend on somebody bigger than you, I question the level sometimes of the depth of their commitment. And so what I wanna encourage you is guard your soul. Your soul is the most valuable thing that you have. There's nothing more, it's not worth a lease. I don't care how many broker fees it takes to to get out of your situation. The reality is, is there is life doing it God's way. Trust him, trust the Lord. That's so good. Whatever you don't protect, you reveal you don't value. Whatever you don't protect, you reveal you don't value. So if you don't protect your sexuality, what you're saying is I don't value my body. Maybe it's been so used. Maybe it's been so abused. I don't value my body. So it's revealing something. And, and you know, it's like, well, listen, when you have valuables in your car, you lock your car. It's time to start locking your body out. It's time to start locking your finances out, locking your mind out and saying what's inside is so valuable. And I see the value in it. I'm locking it up. And if you, and, and I'll, my, also, my other prayer is that you become so in love with Jesus that this question is completely irrelevant to you. It just doesn't even make sense anymore. Because when we say Christian, we don't mean, do you do all the rules? Do you follow all the laws? Are you religious? I'm saying, are you in love with Jesus? Do you, here's a better way of asking this question. Should I date someone else who's not in love with Jesus? Doesn't it start making more sense? It's like because the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. So what you're actually saying is, do I want to be in a relationship that's easily broken? This is helping somebody. I wish somebody. I mean, good how many, Lord. Pastor Mike? How many? Don't say who. Some of them. I'll say their say, name. No. <laughs> I just act that way because you guys love it. You guys are so twisted. <laughs> We're going to do a whole series yeah. on gentleness. I love it. Meekness, kindness. Everyone's like, get him, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> You're those kinds of people that don't bleep the videos. <laughs> I know you. I know. So go ahead, though. How many weddings have we done at the HQ after we've revealed this standard to couples? I we've will, done a yeah, handful. Yeah, you were going in the positive yeah. direction. Yeah, I was. Um, and then on a high note. <laughs> we have actually, you know, some of it's ignorance. And I will say this, do not feel the pressure to live a, the, the, the life of the Joneses. Because we have watched people say, because I can't afford the quarter of a million dollar wedding, I won't get married. 
And you've got to circumvent God's ways and adopt their ways, the Babylonians. We don't do Babylonian weddings. Like if God called you to marriage and all you can offer her is your hand, but you're going to do it with integrity and you're going to go the distance and you're going to covenant to her, don't you, just because you can't afford the wedding where you come up on a hydraulic lift out of a hole in the floor with the Star Spangled Banner playing and fireworks going off and flames going off and obviously Pastor Evan's running all of it from the back. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, now sometimes people can do that, but you got to figure out, well, at the same time, we've had so many people that are like, dude, we would have got married years ago, but we felt that pressure. And so my encouragement to you is um, you do this ceremony, covenant to each other, and then renew your vows with the hydraulic lift 20 years from now, if you build your business and after you get successful and do that and celebrate it. And then when you come up from your hydraulic lift 20 years from now, the song can be started from the bottom. Now we hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, give yourself somewhere to grow. Yes. You know what I mean? We got married in a hotel in Florida. <laughs> you know, an alligator hotel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was a great wedding, but that pressure. Yeah. But I will say, we have had men, when we have given this standard to them, they didn't, they didn't understand God's standard. And when we told them, we have done a handful, am I lying, a handful of weddings at the HQ of people who said, I want to honor God. I do not want to take married benefits without married covenant. Man, I get both. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, but... Uh, <laughs> This is not for us. This is for them. No, I'm just kidding. No, you know what I want to say? Why church is increasing in its importance is because the men that you meet have never been fathered. And we need to father our men. And you could be 75 years old and you are not too old to be fathered yet. There's still time. And they have not been fathered. And I'm on a mission to father men into the men they're supposed to be. And they need to be taught. And what the grace that is on our life is there's been so many men of V1 Church that all we've had to do is tell them once. And it was an ignorance problem, not a stupidity problem. There is a difference between stupid and ignorant. Some people are stupid. <laughs> but sometimes people literally just tell us, I just didn't know how to treat a woman. I didn't know how to lead a home. I didn't know how. I just, no one ever told me, like, where was I going to learn, right? So we're okay with ignorance. And that's why we do these things that we do. That's why we have a podcast and a YouTube channel and an Instagram is to father you through that content so that way you can go to the next level. So let's kind of blaze through the last yeah. few. We're in number three. How do I build trust in a relationship? So let me ask you this. So I, we, we were separated for a time about a decade ago, mm -hmm. maybe longer now, I don't know, somewhere around there. And, and I had to go on a journey of rebuilding trust with you so maybe you can help explain how did I do it? What did I do? Because I think it'd be easier for you to answer it like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was there were a few practical things, right? The secrets were gone. Secret cell phones, secret computers, like those had to go. Okay, so that's just a very practical thing. Like if you've got passcodes and people can't look through your stuff and you delete your search history, like that says something about you. And I also want you to know too, on a side note, keep that thought, that there are apps that you can put on your phone. So your husband could be saying, oh yeah, here's my phone, I'm cool. And it's, totally, but there's like counterfeit apps that you're looking at it thinking that it's a photos app or it's something like that. And so my encouragement is if you're gonna get honest, be really honest. If you're gonna have integrity, have real integrity. Like don't be the CIA, you know what I mean? Don't, 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 don't figure out because I think that's something we're learning too. Like it's not the loophole kind of stuff, it's the real deal. You know, like yeah. if you gotta delete your browser history, um, just you shouldn't be browsing for those things. Like if it's like real integrity, I think it right. was part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like building trust in a relationship, you know, there's so much for us, we had a lot of brokenness and some of you maybe are going to be in a relationship. Maybe there's going to be trust that's broken. I mean, there's trust broken in every relationship of varying degrees, but for us, ours was major. And so, um, there came a point where I remember our marriage counselor being like, at some point, you're just going to have to trust him. Like you're not going to have a, a huge track record of, all of these good deeds, right? Reliable consistency or however you worded that before. And so I had to take a, like a leap of faith and give trust first. And that's what Jesus did for us. Like he went all the way to the cross first. 
before we went to church, before we checked our little spiritual, you know, I read my Bible today and got all of our little gold stars. Like before we did all those things, when we were sinners, when we were broken, when he knew we were going to fail, when he knew we were going to, you know, be horrible and say awful things, like he went to the cross. He trusted that we were going to receive the forgiveness that he so freely gave. And so I had to do that in my marriage. I had to model that Christ-like leap and say, I don't have a lot of proof yet but I'm gonna trust you. And so it's a give and take. It's you doing the right thing, making the right choice many times in a row, and then me also meeting you, giving you giving 100% and me giving 100% and saying, I'm gonna just choose to trust you because I'm just gonna model Christ's love in this moment. One of the most powerful phrases that you can speak to another human being is this, I trust you. Leaders, matter of fact, if you've ever been frustrated under the leadership of another pastor or another, it was because you felt like they didn't trust you. So one of the most empowering things that I do, this works even outside of a marriage relationship, is I love to tell people this phrase, hey, now that I say it, you're all going to be like, oh, you know what to do. That phrase, you know what to do, is me saying, I trust you. Or it's me saying, I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And sometimes we preach the Holy Spirit, but we don't practice ministry like we actually trust him in other people. And sometimes like for Julie to say, I trust you, and for me to say, I trust you, empowers her and builds trust. And it can be very frustrating, you know, to be in a relationship and feel like, man, I'm trying to do the right thing and they still don't trust me. So in those moments where they say, I do trust you and validate you, it'll just put oxygen in your lungs. You know, that phrase, I trust you, Chase, I trust you. That's oxygen to him. That you wanna, you wanna breathe life into a man, look him in his eyes and say, I trust you. Because they become trustworthy when you release that phrase. It's oxygen, they come to life. And I yeah. think that it's, it's like, some, now sometimes they've messed up so bad they don't deserve that phrase. That's, but yeah. be, there comes this juncture in time where you have to release it. Yeah, and I think it was like the more I, the more trust I gave. Now, again, this can be manipulated if you have somebody who's in, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's not redeeming that part of their life, okay? So that's the disclaimer. But the more that I trusted you, the more trustworthy you became. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just rose up to that occasion, and it was almost like this holy pressure, yeah. you know, to do the right thing because, man, her heart, like she trusts me. Like that yeah. became very valuable to you. It did. I, something I say often is men are like mirrors. If you look into a mirror like this, then the mirror looks back like this. <laughs> Try it. Walk down the streets of Queens tomorrow. You'll get punched. And- <laughs> don't do that. We live there and I but know for a fact. But if you look at a man like, like this, do they'll be like, what's he smiling for? <laughs> you know, men are like mirrors, you know? <laughs> And my encouragement is because there's mirror neurons in our brain that actually the way that we're wired societally is to respond with a similar facial expression. And so sometimes if your husband or your wife's coming home, you're biasing their expression because when they walk through the door, you're like, oh, God. (laughs) And then their mind, everything in their being, it responds with, uh, right? Yes. And so one of the most powerful things that my wife did to, to, to continue to build trust was to have our um, kids champion me coming home and to literally meet me at the front door saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. Yeah, they actually chanted. Bella's in here, right, Bell? Where are you at? What did we chant? Daddy, D. <laughs> She's embarrassed D. now. Okay, we want to. Um, but I don't know, it, it was this little chant they came up. What it, what it was we is we them. were trying to build a trust right. relationship. Like we trust that dad. So if, you're, so if it's like, well, dad comes home grouchy all the time. What can we do to change that? And so our family was like, Julie led the kids and saying, how can we make when he walks through the door a celebration? And it's really hard to be Oscar the Grouch when your kids are chanting your name. So sometimes it's like we don't realize how much control we have. Remember that thing? The only person you could change is you. 
So Julie was like, what if I change how I acted? What if I change how the kids act with us? And that happened. And that's so true for any relationship because if you're a friend who is always having a problem, right? And is always frustrated and is always mad and is always, you know, you're going to be like, they never call me. They never talk to me. Well, probably because you're mad all the time. You know, so that mirror concept, it really works in any kind of relationship, work relationships, romantic relationships. Like, that's good. Write that down. Save it. Put that in your phone. <laughs> Number two, most asked question of Google, when to change your relationship status on Facebook? Drop it, Jules. <laughs> Drop it. Well, I think... You are no one's... Yeah. I, I told the girls this this morning. I said, you are no one's secret. If you have to be a hidden secret, if people don't know you're in a relationship, if, you, if you're not you know, known to your, like, oh, we don't need to put it out there. Or you have to keep it on the low or nobody knows you hang out or whatever. Like, you're a secret. You don't deserve to be a secret. A man of God does not treat their girl like a secret. And so a part of you, you might feel like, oh, well, it's romantic and it's special. No, it's hiding. And so I just want to encourage you, like, I guess the question is, when do you go public? It's if you're if it's not public, why? Why? And I think as women, if you're in a relationship, you have every right to ask that question. Like, why doesn't why haven't I met your family? <laughs> why doesn't anybody know about me? Yeah. You know, yeah, if your dates feel more like a kidnapping. <laughs> oh my gosh. If he's, if he's kidnapping you, if you have to walk all the way down the street to meet him, if, if, there, if it's questionable, if someone's watching their camera from their front door and saying, what, were they kidnapped or was it a date? That is not real commitment. What you need is somebody who makes it feel more like paparazzi. Like, ooh, ooh, girl, ooh, yeah. They're, you know, like paparazzi, like, come on, I'm celebrating you. And so we want that for you guys. You know, number one is this, how, how to make a long distance relationship work. I think it's the same way you make every relationship work. You invest. And long distance relationships, well, we're pre-technology. So we had those Nokias where you played that game long, Snake. long distance relationship. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a long distance relationship. So we were forced to build our relationship on things other than the physical and what God was doing in his mercy for our lives was, um, was, was building a foundation. And I'm grateful for that yeah. because we were like, it was agonizing to us because we're like, we just want to get married so bad. And, you know, but we were all those conversations were us getting to know each other and, and us building a foundation for something yeah. that could last. Because if your relationship is solely based on physical, here is, this is what I tell people in marriage counseling. Okay. If your relationship is based on physical, why does God have things, why does the church teach there's certain ways to do relationship, that you save yourself for marriage, that you um, you know, try to not build a relationship based on physical intimacy? Why is that? Because in life, physical intimacy may not always be an option, and you gotta make sure that you have a foundation that is strong enough to withstand the test of times, the challenges of life. There are many seasons that are gonna come and go where that is not an option. And you have to be able to say like, I trust this person with my life because we've walked through this season before. God is so intentional in the way that he sets it up. He's not trying to withhold any good thing from you, but he will give you pathways for freedom. Yeah, relationships are like car crashes. The faster you go, the more damage is done. And the reason why people accelerate relationships oftentimes is because they want to accelerate the physical element of the relationship. And when you put out boundaries, you will filter out a lot of people because you'll find out what are they really after? What do they really want? And there are even a lot of men and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm just mainly, there's women that do this too, but they get really good at developing emotional relationships, knowing that that's a portal and a gateway to a physical relationship. 
And you can spend so much time building up a physical relate or a emotional relationship thinking like, wow, he's just saying all the right things. He's the friend I never had, not knowing that. And he doesn't probably even know the fullness of it. He's just enrapturing you into this web, into this, into this world. And so my biggest encouragement for somebody who's in that dating scene right now is slow it down and see and filter out, put out boundaries. You know, Julie, actually, I, and I say this, when we did, she was the first girl that I dated that had extreme boundaries. And when I say extreme, it, she would still not be married if it was for anyone other than how choleric and driven I am. <laughs> this is a true story. She would have been for real Mother Teresa because she, I remember we were like on our second or third date and she literally paused the date to be like, I just wanna be clear with you, physical bound. I was like, hey, listen, I ain't trying. She's like, no, we're not gonna hold hands. And I was like, excuse me? You remember that? Yeah, I said. She turned. He said. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no. I, he said, um, will you be my girlfriend? I said, yeah, but you can't touch me. He and, said, and okay. Part of me was just like, this girl's crazy. Because I, I lived in Indiana University, which was ranked the number one party school in the nation the year I started going there. I brought the party with me, you know what I'm saying? And um, it was just like where I was from that world that looks much like what many of you are in that scene now. And so I had encountered the complete opposite of that where um, there were no boundaries. And so now I'm like seeing this, this, this woman who's after God. And the other thing, she was already attending church, reading the Bible, serving the local church. And there was so much there that I was like, I want to pursue her, even though we're 200 miles apart. And this girl's telling me, we, I can't even hold her hand. But do you know what that, that did? It actually provoked me to chase and to pursue her. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to put up boundaries because we've devalued ourselves and we have a scarcity mentality and we say, what if another person ever, never comes? And God is actually saying like, the right person will come if you'll just see how valuable and precious you are. And what Julie was trying to say is like, I know enough about my love for the Lord and his love for me to say that I'm just gonna put up some boundaries. And... So would you just stand to your feet? And this, this series has been a very, very, um, it's been a very intense series because when you talk about relationships, you're speaking into the core of a lot of pain that's happened in people's lives. You're speaking right into the epicenter because relationships have the greatest capacity to hurt, but they also have the greatest capacity to release purpose it's like you can feel the greatest pain, but also experience the greatest purpose through relationship. Relationship and, and the purpose of our relationship has caused our children, you know, to be birthed into this earth. It's, it's the power of our relationship has caused churches to be released into the earth. It's caused songs to be sung and released. It's like the greatest purpose has come from a relationship, but also the greatest pain, which is why Jesus chose relationship to redeem your life. It's why Jesus said, well, I'm not going to give you a program. I'm going to give you my son. God said, I'm going to release my son. You're going to come into relationship. And actually, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He didn't say my boss, my guru, my dad, my strategist, or my strategist. He said, my dad and my father. Do you hear me? He gave us family. He gave us relationship. So if you were to ask me, what's the devil going to pervert in your life? What is the devil going to use to destroy your life? It's going to be the same thing that God is going to use to release purpose and resurrect your life. It's going to be relationship. Yes. And so that's why I tell people, if you've been church hurt, you know what the solution is? A life-giving church. You've been hurt by a man? Well, then let Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, come and heal your heart. Before my mom ever met Dean, who's been the greatest man to ever happen to her besides Jesus, amen, Dean, I remember prophesying to my single mom, five kids, welfare, and I said, Mom, I was praying, and the Lord gave me a vision that Jesus walked in your room, and he was folding your clothes and putting him in your dresser. And remember that? And I, I'll never forget, we were literally on welfare in South Chicago, and I had a vision that Jesus was walking down the hallway and walked into a room, and I said, Mom, I know this sounds crazy. I was only 16 years old. I said, but the Lord is showing me that he's going to be 
your husband. And once you learn how to let Jesus be your husband, you're going to meet your earthly husband. And right after, my, my mom had to learn this lesson of allowing Jesus to be her husband. And I know some of you think that's crazy, but we literally started to make a list. Okay, I need a new pair of jeans. Uh, my kids need a new mattress. And if you're going to be my husband, there, there's got to be a, you have to be a provider because a husband provides. And do you know that we would write it down and then somebody would come and they would give us, say, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to buy a pair of jeans for your son. I don't know why, but the Lord told me to give you a mattress. These are true stories from my life. It makes it hard to be an atheist when you experience Jesus being your mom's husband and providing for your family supernaturally. But after that season was over, and I never seen it like this till right now, but then that season came to an end. And then Dean, here comes Dean on a white horse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was a white truck. It was a white truck. And the very first time Dean walked up to our house, and I had been through multiple abusive stepdads. And see, what that tells you is the brokenness of relationships says never trust a man again. But the Holy Spirit inside of me said, this man is never going to hurt you. This man, trust this man. This man's going to care for your mother. This man's going to step in now. And Dean has been faithful. And, Dean, and now he's Pastor Dean here at V1 Church. So if you're here, maybe that's your story. Maybe you do. And it sounds like a cliche. Oh, yeah, let Jesus be your husband. But have you tried it? Have you tried it? Let him provide for you. Write it down. Express your need. Talk to him. Tell him the affections of your heart. Pour it out to him. He is faithful. He is so faithful. The Bible also says that God is a jealous God. And sometimes you got to understand the revelation of his. He's saying, I want to give you the, the real thing, but I first want to give you me. And when I'm enough, I'll give you a bonus. <laughs> Somebody's getting a revelation on that. <laughs> so right now there's a healing that's wanting to happen in this room. Do you feel it? Would you just close your eyes? Just, we're just closing our eyes to remove the distraction. You know, no matter where you're at in relationship right now, I want you to imagine whether you're married, maybe you just recently broke up. I want you to think about the, the greatest place of pain in relationship, the time when you were abandoned, when the wind was taken out of your gut, like a swift kick, situations that occurred where the bottom dropped out. I want you to think about those times, maybe where you were hurt or abused or wounded in a way that you never thought would happen to you. But God... But God, but God, you are here right now standing on your own two feet. You have survived that season. You have survived that moment. You have survived that tragedy. You have survived it for such a time as this. So we're going to begin to sing that song, Our God Reigns. And I believe that he reigns over sexual brokenness. He reigns over sexual abuse. He reigns over divorce. He reigns over loneliness. He reigns. And we're going to begin to plant a flag. We're going to end this service by you planting a flag of his rulership and ownership over that area of your life. I want you to surrender it to him. And as you say, you reign, God. You reign. You reign in this season. You reign in this situation. Just begin to lift it up, and he's going to begin to heal your heart. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to come to the front, leave it here and say, God, you reign. Hey, thanks so much for listening and making it this far into the podcast. I actually believe that one of the most important things that you can do right now is act on the information that you receive from God. And one of the ways that you can do that is just copy the link to this, share it on your social media, you know, forward it to a friend and help them out. And listen, if you have been helped by this podcast, please, by all means, consider helping V1 reach more people around the world by going to v1.church and click and give. We're so excited for the grand finale of Ghosted happening next week. We'll see you then.